0: Welcome back to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue, an offshoot of Spam, 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 Humbug, in which we look at one of the eight virtues of Ultima Lore and connect it to real-world philosophical and theological teachings. In the run-up to Christmas, we were looking at the virtue of justice, and we'll continue looking at that uh, this week and next. Although, this week I actually wanted to discuss um, something a little bit more related to motivation. I mean, I've been writing, and, and now recording meditations on the eight virtues of ultima lore for a few years now and occasionally the question comes up why do this it's a good question um i mean i've been running what amounts to a major online ultima fan hub since 2008 or so and i've been running ultima related websites since 2004 that's a long time not as long as some in the ultima fandom have maintained sites perhaps, but it amounts to a third of my life thus far. It's, it's significant. And in that time, I've written about the comings and goings of former Origin Systems developers, and I've chronicled the developments and releases, and sadly, the cancellations, at times, of various Ultima fan projects. But in the end, I'm just writing about computer games, am I not? So why am I rambling on about philosophy and theology and Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas and all the rest? Now... I can't really say that the Ultima Games had a particularly profound impact on my moral formation. While I can talk at length about all the ways my catechesis as a young Catholic was fraught with error and shortcomings, I hope that I emerged into adulthood, steeped in that moral theology and in the teachings of that faith tradition, and I hope that to the best of my ability I try to live that faith in the world. And in some sense, what I do here on the Codex is part of that. In some particular way, I actually hope it's a form of evangelization. Yeah. Really. I mean, okay, the idea of evangelization inspires a negative response. It is often thought of as being the sort of rigid and inflexible thing in which one person tries to convince another person that they, and perhaps they alone, have the truth locked in. And that whatever falls outside the confines of the group to which they belong is, by definition, against that truth. And, I mean, to be fair, that probably does happen. I mean, I've had to fend off that sort of thing myself. But that's not genuine evangelization either because really it's about truth and truth is just that truth unlike as not people outside of a church or outside of a belief system can still perceive truth and there's a lot of truth to be found in the eight virtues indeed it really shouldn't surprise us to hear that for some people the eight virtues have been a significant part of their moral formation sometimes at the cost of abandoning traditional religion, sometimes serving to lead them to traditional religion, and sometimes giving them exposure to a philosophical realm that an otherwise secular upbringing had not even bothered to acknowledge or introduce them to. Evangelization, really, is about sharing. It's about dialogue. It's about enrichment. It's about emphasizing the real truths of the world in whatever form they're found, and in a language that people understand. I mean, okay, sure, I would love to hear that people come to embrace the Christian faith. Of course I would. And that's maybe in some sense a goal and intent of the discussions and debates that surround evangelization, but it's like learning to read. Those of us who've been reading for a long time almost don't have to look at the individual letters or even syllables of a word we can look at the general shape of a word and know what it's supposed to be. It's called, I think, whole-word reading. You might recognize that phrase as uh, whole-language programs were all the rage in some education systems for a time. The thinking there, as far as I can understand it, was that because adults used whole-word reading to, you know, well, read, we should just teach kids to use the same technique and voila, amazing readers, better than those who were instructed using phonics-based programs. Except it didn't work that way, at all. Indeed in several places, literacy levels dropped. Why? Well, because whole word reading only works when the reader in question has already internalized and mastered the concepts of how letters sound, how letters combine to create new sounds and syllables, and how those sounds and syllables work together to make words. And it's the same with evangelization. Hardly anybody's going to have a change of heart based on a single conversation, and even less so a conversation on the internet. But we all desire truth, desire to see it and understand it. And if in some way the eight virtues can serve to reveal truth, and they do, well, then that is a thing that I think is well worth exploring. And if that little bit can happen, then hopefully those who hear will continue to search after truth, and hopefully they find it more abundantly, somehow. Anyhow, so in some sense, these meditations are kind of a form of special justice that I'm trying to share with all of you, to try and bring us all a little more into the light of truth, to have a conversation about it, and to urge you, ultimately, to continue to explore it for yourself. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue, which I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you found this episode enlightening, and that you'll continue to journey with me through the... Christmas season, on our way toward the Feast of the Epiphany, as we continue to look at The Virtue of Justice.